Hey everyone, I'm Sarah James, a beauty blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about two women trying to tackle better self-care. We are both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet we find it elusive. And while we may have all the info we need, we don't always get there. From the silly to the serious, we are taking a vulnerable yet humorous look at body, mind, and spirit and maybe a touch of the random, all while looking at the distractions and defenses that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. Hey guys, well today we are going to be chatting with Dr. Chad Larson. He is a doctor of naturopathic medicine and we're going to be talking about the difference between food allergies and food sensitivities, what the whole leaky gut thing means, what are some of the hidden symptoms of food sensitivities like, did you know, skin issues, brain fog, and even anxiety can be um, issues of food sensitivities, which I suffer from all three. Um, And then how to determine if you have sensitivities to certain foods and what tests are available. It was a really great conversation. Um, He actually dispelled a lot of the myths that I held myself about food intolerances and sensitivities. So I think you guys will really enjoy it. But first, I'm going to do a quick self-care check-in with Sarah. Well, hi, Kristen. Hello. Hello. um, It's good. I'm still doing, I'm finishing up you know, my 21 day workout, which mm-hmm. has been good. Um, but I have to talk to you about, cause I know, I feel like you're going to feel me on this one. It's like where my introversion is actually really bothering me mm-hmm. this summer because I have a pool yes. at my house as you do as well. Yes, I do. And I have always wanted to be the house that everyone comes to, like all the kids' friends come to. For sure. I want to, yeah, I want to, I want to see what's going on. I feel comfortable that way. It's great. So I feel like everyone I see around my neighborhood, I'm like, oh my gosh, just come to the pool. Just come over, come to the pool. Like just bring everybody, just drop by. You don't even have to call me or text me. Just come on by. I've said the same thing. Mm -hmm. All the time. And I, I have totally shot myself in the foot. Because people are taking, you know, they're, they're, you know, accepting my invitation. Yes. And if I was a normal person, I would be like having a really nice time, like time of my life. But I feel like it's so great. And then my introversion kicks in and like, I want to go inside and hide. And and I, I, I have done that. And I just, I, I wish I was more outgoing or something. I just, I love the idea of all of this. I love the idea, but there's just like, I hit a wall after about an hour and then I just want to be by myself. Well, okay. First (laughs) of all, in your defense, you also work. Yes. So you are not having a summer of looking for things to fill your time and fill your kids' times. You're having a summer of having to do your work in the margins of having children home from school. That's true. I will say that there are six people outside in my pool right now as I'm recording this podcast. Right. So, I I mean, I'm sure introversion plays a part in this, but I also know for me that the fact that I just have to go do work is another big part of it. And I feel like that's a summer tension for me all the time where I have friends who maybe they're teachers, so they have the summer off or they're stay-at-home moms. And again, Mm -hmm. no judgment. That's not the point of this. It's just, it's different because they're like ready for summer and let's have fun. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if I don't get this work done, I'm going to be up till midnight, right? Right, right. So that's one thing. But I will say this. 
when I extend that invitation for people to come to my pool, I'm only extending it to children and I have no intention of watching them. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. You know, yeah. so I have had the errant mother show up also wanting to hang. And I have had to say a few times, like, I'm so sorry. Like this, I got to work while they're in the pool. Like I'm going to be yeah, sitting here on that, my laptop somewhat within line of vision, but you know, like I got to yeah, work. I just had to do that. Like that's exactly what just happened when I was like, please stay, but I have to go inside and do a podcast. Yeah. You know, um, totally. Yeah. So it's just been interesting, but it's, it it's is. good. I feel like it's a, it's good that it, I, I am around people more often yes. now, but it's just such a like tight rope walk of it like, is. you know, cause I am the Ugh. same way and I do. And I, in case any of my friends are listening, I mean, I love having other people's children over truly. Right. I, right. I mean, people will be like, Oh, I don't know. You have so many, like, the more the merrier is the truth when you have children because other kids keep your own kids occupied and on better behavior. Absolutely agree to that. And so 100%. I mean it when I say I do love when my backyard is full of kids. I love it. Um, yeah. But I'm not going to be out there engaging with them. I love it because it allows me to work. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I like about it. I can work yes. without as much distraction besides just every 10 minutes telling them to stop screaming. Oh, that's what I've done. I keep on yeah. walking to the window with my my head my uh -huh. headphones on. I'm like, cut it out. Like, uh -huh. Doing the like cut uh -huh. across the throat. Yep. Quit screaming. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's what's happening with me. Just trying to get over that little introversion hump and the whole work thing. So yes. what's happening with you? Well, yes, all of that. <laughs> I mean, it's so funny <laughs> because we haven't we haven't talked much, you no. know, like we're, we're actually like catching up on the real where that's yes. usually not the case. And I was like, man, why haven't Sarah and I talked much? And I'm like, oh, it's summer. It's yeah, summer. Exactly. It is. <laughs> Children are it's home. A, when is their time for that? Never. Nope. No time. No. Um, but OK, here's what I wanted to talk about today. So I read this fascinating article on a concept of continuous partial attention that read my mail. And okay. I that is my new self-care. I'm attempting to not put myself in a state of continuous partial attention. So I'm going to read a little of the article because I feel like it's going to resonate with a lot of people. So this concept was coined by Linda Stone. And she refers to cont continuous partial attention as complex multitasking in cognitive science. And so she distinguishes this from multitasking like this. When we multitask, we're motivated by being more productive and more efficient. Each activity has the same priority. We're eating lunch and filing papers, or we're stirring soup and talking on the phone. With simple multitasking, one or more activities is somewhat automatic or routine, like the eating or the stirring. And then that activity is paired with something that is a little more automatic or that requires cognition. So you have one non-thinking task and you have one thinking task, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So continuous partial attention is when we have two tasks that demand our cognition or our thinking. And this isn't motivated by being efficient. It's motivated by our feeling that we don't want to miss anything, that we've always mm. got to be doing something, doing something. So examples of continuous partial attention are 
talking on the phone while you're driving, writing an email while you're on a conference call, carrying on a conversation at dinner and texting under the table. Yeah, yes. Yes. Um, And what they're saying is continuous partial attention is actually really negatively affecting our brains. Yeah. Well, it's not surprising. Yes. No, it's not. And I feel like I... Everything I've just described are things that I have known. I just haven't had that name for it. Yeah. And I like having a name for it because then I feel like I can watch myself and go, okay, are you doing continuous partial attention? Like, are you doing that right now? And stop. I feel like I do that all day, every day. Well, I mean, as we speak, I have, I I, I mean, I can't even count how many, but I'm going to guesstimate that I have 22 tabs open on my computer. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I totally agree. I mean, even with the kids, yeah, like, taking t- not even you know taking like work out of it, or the, I just feel like lots of times I'm just kind of like halfway there, right? With both, but yes. never fully there. I know. Oh wow! And the wow, phone wow, wow. really puts us in this state a lot because we think we're mindlessly scrolling, but it does require our cognition. If we're reading mm-hmm. Facebook updates, if we're reading Instagram captions. That does require, that's not stirring soup. That does require us to think. We can't listen to someone or watch a television show and do those things at the same time without taxing our brain. That is so true. Yeah. So will you link to that article? I will. In the Facebook group and on Selfie Podcast. I I want to read it. Yep. 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 And it's, yeah, it's by Linda Stone. And um, she is doing something called the Attention Project. Oh, I know. That's cool. Yeah. Are you going right? to do it? I mean, is it something you can? Well, it's more it... just research and writing. Oh, research. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yep. That yep. would be awesome if she came up with some sort of, you know, step by step ways to become more cognitive of that. And like, I you know, know, right? That would be really hard, though. Well, in today's day and age, I'm going to do more research on this because I feel like it is. I feel like it's a salient issue for a lot of us. So I'm going to yeah. – I'll report back. I'm going to find what are the steps. If, if she doesn't have them, I'll find them from someone else. Okay, do that because I need help. I want to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, italic.com. This is a really cool way to buy unbranded high-end purses, accessories, and clothing that are affordable and sustainable. Italic is the only online company where you can shop beautiful unbranded luxury goods from the same manufacturers as Gucci, Chanel, and Cartier, but without the markup costs of branding. Their in-house design team travels the world sourcing the best manufacturers to create their own originally designed products and they are really cute. I just got a new black purse from them that I am in love with, and I will share a picture in our selfie podcast group. You don't have to buy the brand. You can get the same quality without the logo for up to 50% off. Because Italic doesn't buy its inventory, they don't have to mark up their product costs, and instead the manufacturers are paid fairly. Not only that, their supply chain prevents excess inventory, so you can feel good and promote sustainability without paying a premium or compromising on quality. They do sell out of products quickly, so if there's something you've been eyeing, get it quickly. For the first time, Italic has set up a special discount code just for our listeners. Use the code SELFIE for a $15 credit on your first purchase. That's right, $15 off your first purchase using the discount code SELFIE at italic.com. Okay, so two thumbs up. Yeah, what you got? (sighs) Oh, well, um, 
I was in Arkansas a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and it was very humid. Yes. And miserable. Yeah. And that was the time that my 10 year old flat iron decided to bite the dust. No. On um, the trip? On the trip. Now, I don't flat iron my hair, but I have to flat iron my bangs. When Yo, I get out of yes. the shower, um, my bangs have calyx. They're yeah. naturally wavy. That's just a part of my getting ready every time. And so, of course, it broke the day I got there. So I got to Grace Bentonville, Arkansas with my amazing, which looked like 90s permed bangs that were also kind of like feathering. They like feather. They yep. split in the middle and feather. Sarah, we have the same hair. Oh my gosh. I was I was mortified. I mean, that's when I really, I'm like, okay, Sarah, it's not that big of a deal. But, I mean, I was mortified just yeah. walking around these museums and these restaurants with my, no, I look like I mean, my bangs look like Monica when she yeah. goes to Barbados or whatever. It was just My bangs huge. in their natural state basically do the mcdonald's arches in a full yes! curl like a full yes! loop-de-loop curl like a ram's horn mm-hmm. like a mcdonald's mm-hmm. arches in the bottoms like curl yes mm-hmm. that's what my bangs looked like the entire weekend Fun i was times. there but anyway so then i'm i was actually traveling with our good friends who both are hairstylists yeah no and pressure own a salon oh yeah i'm like could you do something with this please but um i was asking them do you have a recommendation for a flat iron because mine is by sadu which i don't even i don't even think sadu is even around anymore it was sent to me way back in the hair thursday days if that tells you how old oh, that wow. is yeah but anyway so they were telling me all these irons, and then I was like, oh, I don't know. And so I went on Amazon, and I basically, you know, searched for the one that has the best reviews. As we do. As we do. And I found one that is like $35, and I got it, and it's great. And I've like, I have completely, I have convinced myself now, like, there is no need to spend a whole bunch of money on a flat iron. $37.95, it's a one-inch flat iron. Now, I'm going to be honest, like, it just, it it feels less expensive in the hand. You know, like it has yes. like a clicker on and off. Which one and it, is you it? Know, you turn the little dot. It's the HSI Professional Glider. Oh, I have that one. Do you have that one? I do. I do have that one. And you know what? Actually, Amazon is telling me I've had it since 2016. We'll see. There you go. Yeah. Okay, it's, so I it's just totally got that good. one. Yeah. It's totally good. It has... 32,000 customer reviews, yes. 4.5 stars. So I'm like, okay. Yes. No, I, don't, I don't need to spend $150 on some like tourmaline infused flat iron. I know. It's been great. It's perfect. It's great. So I'm so excited that I have a new flat iron. And so if you're looking for one, you don't want to spend a whole bunch of money, I would highly recommend it. Although, listen, I do own this one. Yeah. It is, it's great. But I just got to give a shout out to my Conair. I just, I love the Target Conair so much because it's, the the hot plate is longer. Oh, yeah. That could be helpful. It's very For all the hair. Yeah. So I can, I mean, you've seen me do my hair when I'm waving my hair with a flat iron because that's what we both do with our flat irons. Like I put a wave in my hair. I will stick a huge section of hair in there and do it and wave it and then split it apart. And so I can, I can, I can flat iron wave my hair in like six segments of my head. Oh, that's awesome. So fast. So that's awesome. But yes, this HSI one is a very good one. And you know what's funny about this one is that it was recommended to me by my stylist 
um, whatever. Oh, really? Yeah, three, four years ago. And I paid a lot more than what it is now. So the price has come down oh, considerably. Cool. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Aww. Well, it's it's been working great. So it's happy a good that one. my bangs look normal again. Nice. So that's my number one. And then my number two is um, some really cute socks oh. for my son. So you know my son, Derby, wears the yes, crazy socks. The crazy like, socks. My, my kids like the weird socks too. Oh, yeah. He just like – he pulls them up to his knees. Yep. And I, I've worked with some sock companies in the past where they send me some, which is great. Yeah. Um, but then – suddenly my son has size 12 feet um, and yeah, same. yeah I'm like oh okay I gotta get you some socks so I I found these um they're called Mio Merino that's the brand oh my gosh Sarah, men's dress socks my what, boys wear them? these too <laughs> of course they do because you found them on Amazon yeah and they're crazy for cheap yes 32.99 for 12 socks they're the best these They're are the oh I'm sure we went down the exact same rabbit trail to land on these yes. socks. I mean yes. they are the cheapest in terms They're so inexpensive, but they don't they don't look inexpensive. They don't. And even like the packaging that it comes in the the box with the yes. rat I mean it's it's like a luxury experience. Yes. I mean, I'm serious. Like it's better than some of the things I receive from companies that cost a lot more money when they send PR stuff. Yeah, no, these and are fantastic just, socks. All different colors. They have like a moisture control. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're super durable. They don't have any weird things on the inside. Like where, you know, like the yarns coming out on the inside and it feels all weird because my son can't deal with that. I can't either. Yep, yep. And he loves them. 12 yes. socks for $32.99. And they're great and they're for so men cute. too. I mean, they, oh, you for know, sure. they would look great under a suit or dress pants for work. They're a little, they're a little funky, but they're not like loud and obnoxious. No, no, yeah, they're yeah, they're for Derby. They're actually pretty tame. Pretty tame. He usually I know. wears some with like tacos on them or like pigs barfing. Or... Shafta has um, Biggie Smalls socks. Nice, nice. He also has um, Tupac socks. Sweet, yes. sweet. Yeah, just do it up. That's you know. So he has these socks, but he just keeps wearing the. He has some of those stance socks too. Yeah. These yeah, yeah, these yeah. socks are similar to stance socks, but like yeah. one tenth of the price. Well, it's funny because we, for the longest time, I I worked with happy socks, which I think they're based in Sweden, like Northern Europe somewhere, mm-hmm. and they're they're fantastic. But they he really did not like putting them on and off because a lot of the yarn on the inside, you know, like it would just kind of get stuck. And um, they're they're very hefty, which I mean is good, but with when you have a son with sweaty feet trying to get kind of a heftier cotton sock on yep. it's hard to get them on totally and these ones slide on really nicely yes. so anyway, i was just pumped because they were so inexpensive and totally really them, so oh my gosh yeah. so funny i've ordered yeah. i ordered every color at my boys because i'm so also so tired of socks getting lost oh my gosh that right i just order socks in bulk it's like they're ponytail holders like they're almost disposable yes. why always <sighs> disappearing always so i just ordered always. so many i'm like here now stop yeah. bothering me. Here are your socks. <laughs> you can't lose these. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So I'm loving them. So tell me what you've got for your two thumbs up. Well, my first thumbs up is um, a product line that is all natural um, but for acne. So Ooh. I have two kids who, you know, 
need to stay on top of that a little bit. Um, so it's a company called ClearStem. It was designed by, um, I think, a green beauty blogger, actually. Okay. Um, but they have a really nice vitamin scrub, which is like a daily, you know, polish wash. Yeah. Um, and then they also have um, like an anti-acne uh, um, what's it called? Aha, oh, alpha hydroxy, yeah. yeah, and mandelic yeah. acid. Um, yeah. and I really like mandelic acid for acne, especially for my kid who has eczema, because oh. it's not quite as, you know, it doesn't take off quite as much. Like it's more gentle. Um, mm-hmm. but anyway, it's classic because all of the things that work for acne also work for anti-aging. You know. Oh, for sure. So this one I've used myself and I really like it too. So it's called Clarity Exfoliating Serum with um, alpha hydroxy acid and mandelic acid. Um, But it's great for anti-aging or for acne. Love it. Yes. I need to look into that. Yeah. And they, you know, it's got like a lot of natural ingredients, willow herb, turmeric, aloe vera, um, cranberry fruit extract, saw palmetto palm. So... Yeah, good stuff. It's It feels wow. like high-quality stuff, but it's not too expensive, and they sell it on Amazon. Very good. Ah. Very good. Um, and then my second thumbs up is a book. So this book, Sarah, is written by someone we know. It's written by Catherine Connors and Amy Stanton. Oh, my gosh. Real, what? Yeah. Have you gotten this I one yet? It's called no, The Feminine Revolution. Yeah. And Gabby Reese did the foreword, who's another friend of ours. Um, Fantastic. So this book is really just about how to harness your feminine traits that we may have previously kind of seen as weaknesses or felt like, you know, we need to like downplay. Um, And so things like sensitivity, intuition, emotionality. And this book is really about reclaiming those things as strengths to keys to a better life. So it's this lovely kind of feminist manifesto. of kind of harnessing the things that are unique to women and like living into them. It's really good. Ooh, that yeah. sounds right up my alley. Right? Yeah. Yes. Feminine Revolution. And it's available oh, on fantastic. Amazon. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Counseling. BetterHelp connects people who are looking for therapy with professional therapists by video, phone, chat, or even text messaging, whatever works for you. As you know, we are huge advocates of therapy and BetterHelp provides counseling in a safe, private, and convenient setting. It's so easy from the comfort of your home, even while you're out for a walk. Their counselors specialize in a multitude of mental health needs, including depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, trauma, sleep, anger, and so much more. As with all professional counselors, your sessions are 100% confidential. BetterHelp is available worldwide, and they work with 3,000 licensed therapists across the nation. They are offering Selfie listeners 10% off your first month with the discount code SELFIE. If you've been pursuing therapy or trying to see a therapist, but you're having a hard time getting into the office for whatever reason, this is a great tool for you. Go to betterhelp.com selfie. Fill out the questionnaire and get matched with a professional therapist in as little as a day. That's betterhelp.com slash selfie for 10% off your first month of secure, convenient, affordable therapy. All right. Well, hey guys, I am here with Dr. Chad Larson. As I mentioned at the top of the show, he's a doctor of naturopathic medicine, and I'm excited to talk to him about the issue of food sensitivity because it's one we've talked about quite a bit in our Facebook group, and it's one that's affected me as well. So Dr. Larson, thank you so much for being with us. 
It's my pleasure. Okay, I just lost your audio all of a sudden. Oh. Okay, you're you're back. You're back. So oh, just, okay. <laughs> it right. might have just been a weird like little um, connection glitch. So thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. So um, I have lots of questions around food, food sensitivity. Um, and I think one of the, the top questions I have is, what is the difference between a sensitivity, an allergy, an intolerance? You know, how do we differentiate between these things? Yeah, that's a good question. And people use the term allergy oftentimes for things that aren't actually allergies. So right. it's it's a good way to kind of start the discussion because there's it, it creates some misinformation and confusion. And a lot of people use or non or non or non or non allergic, you know, situations and intolerances. So basically an allergy and what I would call and I think most immunologists would call um a sensitivity, they're both immune mediated. In other words, the immune system is reacting to these things, to these foods. And technically, an allergy should only go with the part of the immune system that's called immunoglobulin E. E is in like Edward. And immunoglobulin E is the reaction that leads to what, what, what we'd call a true allergy, where oftentimes it manifests as like... Um, swelling of the face or mm-hmm. or like a hay fever kind of thing eyes right. watery nose runny that kind of thing and it's fast it's like if you if it's a food allergy we're talking about think of like shellfish or peanuts mm-hmm. or something like that mm-hmm. um it's within like 20 minutes at, at, at the longest right and it's dramatic it's pretty mm-hmm. acute it's scary um in the worst situation it causes like a cardiorespiratory problem and it's like an er situation yep um so those are those are true allergies. They're mediated by IgE. And then a food sensitivity, which in some ways is a more insidious problem because you don't get the immediate feedback when you consume it. Um, these are mediated by IgG and IgA, immunoglobulin G and A for the most part. And these are a more, it has more of a delay uh, kind of reaction. So that's why oftentimes you don't know that you have it and you can keep consuming this over and over again because you're not getting that immediate feedback that it's a problem. Uh, but in some cases, it could be, it could lead to chronic issues. So it's not really a lesser situation. It's less acute mostly, but it could really lead to chronic illness. So that's a sensitivity. Like when somebody says, oh, I've got a gluten sensitivity. That's what they're talking about. Got it. Um, at least that's what they should be talking about. And then there's an intolerance. An intolerance is not immune mediated. It's, it's technically a, an intolerance is where you're missing an enzyme or you have a deficiency of an enzyme that your body requires to break down that protein. A good classic one is lactose intolerance. Got it. So lac- lactose is milk sugar. And some people lack an enzyme called lactase. So lactase breaks down lactose and lactose intolerance is basically just a deficiency of that enzyme. And there's other, you can actually have a gluten intolerance where there's not an immune system reaction, but there's certain enzymes that break down gluten that could be deficient leading to symptoms. It's not symptoms generated by your immune system. 
Okay, this is fascinating. I did not know this difference. <laughs> this yeah, is I think super most people helpful. don't. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I think I just thought that it was like a spectrum and the same thing was happening just on a, you know, on a more dramatic scale or a less dramatic scale, but these are totally different bodily functions, basically. Yeah, good point. And each one actually has its own spectrum. You can mm -hmm. have a food allergy or even an environmental allergy, like inhaling, you know, uh, pollen or whatever, uh, flowers and, you know, different trees and weeds and mold and stuff like that, that can be an allergy, but some people don't even know they have it. And some people, if they are exposed, they have to like go to the hospital. So that's that right. spectrum. On right. sensitivities, it's similar. A lot of people have no idea they have food sensitivities, which is why we so heavily rely on lab testing for this. So all the way from asymptomatic, meaning no symptoms, to really severe symptoms, brain fog, and really yeah. significant GI distress and things uh -huh. like that. So each one has its own kind of spectrum of uh, severity. So out of curiosity, a thing like celiac disease, that's not actually an allergy, that would be more of a sensitivity? Exactly. It's a sensitivity that manifests into an autoimmune condition. Which that is would very serious. At, that's very serious. It'd yeah. be at that more severe severe end of the spectrum right. because it's mediated by IgA and sometimes in kind of uh, an atypical celiac disease, an IgG mediated reaction. So it's not IgE, that mm -hmm. more sort of acute one that we think of as an allergy, but it is a food sensitivity that causes your immune system to get confused and actually start to attack and even destroy the small intestine. And this yeah. is where it turns into a full-blown condition called celiac disease. So I feel like what you are sort of like a huge myth that I have believed that you're sort of clearing up for me is that an allergy and a sensitivity can be equally as, you know, damaging to a person or, or they could be um, kind of mild, like that it's, that a sensitivity yeah. could be very much as serious as, as an allergy, a food allergy. Yeah. And, and picking up on the whole just kind of gluten thing, just because it's an easy one to talk about, um, there's two main, let's call it gluten-related disorders. Mm -hmm. There's celiac disease, what we just talked about, it's an autoimmune condition. And then there's non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Right. And each one has its own spectrum of severity. Right. Obviously, people with celiac disease, they can get full destruction in their small intestine and they have really severe yeah. symptoms. Yeah, life-altering deficiencies. Symptoms. Yeah. yeah, really, really bad stuff. And actually celiac disease, if untreated, can lead to even other autoimmune conditions. Mm -hmm. But non-celiac gluten sensitivity runs a, a similar spectrum. It's just not autoimmune. People with, um, there's been reports of, uh, and actually case studies published in good, you know, peer-reviewed scientific journals that cause things like gluten ataxia. So ataxia means um, like poor balance. It looks like mm -hmm. people are, are like drunk when they're walking, hmm. but gluten could cross-react with a part of your brain called the cerebellum. And the cerebellum is like your, your balancing test. In fact, this is just kind of an aside, when they do like side of the road alcohol testing and you're like, you know, walking the line and that kind of stuff, those are cerebellum tests. Right. But gluten could cross react with the cerebellum affecting your balance. And this, the, and researchers actually call that gluten ataxia. That is so interesting. Well, I'm, I'm actually glad we're talking about gluten because it was one of the main questions I had. I feel like, you know, we're seeing so many people who have gone gluten free and who will describe themselves as being, you know, maybe gluten sensitive or incorrectly saying they have a gluten allergy. Um, 
what what would what accounts for this sort of prevalence this this sort of like we're seeing this you know surge in people who are abstaining from gluten um why is that there needs to be a really comprehensive like deep dive sort of report on that and published um and i would love to see that so we don't have excellent data really, really pointing us toward what's causing that. But there's some ideas. Uh Um, One idea is that the wheat that we're eating today is very, very different from 50 years ago. Right. And certainly a lot different from, you know, several hundred years ago. And so the wheat has been hybridized. I wouldn't say genetically modified, but hybridized to to produce a higher content. Mm -hmm. Because... It's the high gluten wheat that food manufacturers want because mm-hmm. gluten means glue. Right. It's the it's the quality, it's the protein that gives the quality to bread that's mm-hmm. like squishy. Like a filler. Yeah. Filler and it gives your pasta stretchiness and it doesn't break. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what people want or what food manufacturers think people want. So they they have farmers develop this very, very high uh, gluten content. So first of all, we're exposed to way more gluten than maybe what our genetics are mm-hmm. sort of developed for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then gluten is stuck in everything. It's way beyond like bread and pasta at this point. There's gluten in your in all your sauces. Yeah. Uh, there's there's wheat and gluten in cosmetics. There's wheat and gluten in your pharmaceuticals, in your supplement. It's in places that you know it's there. And so our immune system is so bombarded with this protein that it just starts to lose tolerance to it. And then loss of tolerance is indicated by elevated IgG and or IgA antibodies. Ah, got it. And so so that's, that's maybe one reason. Um, there's also some concept about um, some of the wheat is stored in these like giant silos for a very extended period of time. And when that wheat is in there, endotoxins develop on it, which changes the nature of the proteins, making them more, let's call it allergenic. Um, and so it's, and there's probably some other things that I'm not thinking of, but mm-hmm. those are two common theories that, that people have come up with. So I'm going to, describe some symptoms of myself as a case study. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I am one of those people who I I have noticed an increased sensitivity to to gluten as I've aged. So, you know, when I was younger, I could eat it all the time. And then probably in my late 30s, I started noticing that on the days that I had gluten in the morning, I got an afternoon slump, I would kind of have a brain fog, I would get a headache. Um, I just wouldn't feel great. And then I decided to go off gluten and really noticed a big difference. And then now I'm 44 and I noticed that if, and I still will occasionally eat gluten and it really affects me. You know, it, it, it is a, a noticeable shift if I have some gluten. So how is it that some of us are finding these food sensitivity issues cropping up as we're aging? Yeah. There's a variety of reasons why the immune system could seemingly suddenly lose tolerance to Mm -hmm. a food protein. Um, There's a couple reasons that come to mind that are fairly common. One is you can get um, an infection, let's say 
a virus infection or some kind of bacterial infection. And that triggers the immune system to go on like overdrive and it becomes mm-hmm. very hyperactive and extra sensitive. And then you introduce some gluten that maybe you don't eat all that often and the immune system's already kind of keyed up and it's like, oh, there's like a new protein. Let's attack that also. Mm -hmm. So while the immune system is raised up because of some virus or something, it could start to um, attack uh, this gluten protein. And then now subsequent times that you consume gluten, boom, your immune system's all excited Mm -hmm. again. And then that leads to symptom manifestation. That's kind of one scenario. Another one that may be a slightly more common is breakdown of the integrity of your gut barrier. Mm. So your gut's a tube and this tube is lined with a pretty robust barrier system. And that barrier system is supposed to keep stuff in the gut and not allow certain things to cross the barrier system and get into your circulation. Because beyond the gut barrier is direct access to your circulation superhighway Mm -hmm. to take things all over the body. And just little tiny things are supposed to get through amino acids from your proteins, glucose from like your carbohydrates and like fat uh, uh, particles and things like nutrients, micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, all these little tiny things cross that barrier system. But big proteins like gluten are not supposed to cross that barrier system. But for a variety of reasons, we could have a broken barrier system. Sometimes we call that leaky gut, Mm -hmm. but it's like an intestinal hyperpermeability and these otherwise substances that aren't supposed to cross are now allowed to cross like gluten, like other food proteins, like maybe casein from dairy. Mm -hmm. And when that protein crosses, the immune system's like, whoa, what is this big scary thing? Let's start attacking it and developing antibodies like IgG and IgA. And then you're off to symptom manifestation. You're going to start getting symptoms from that. And those symptoms could vary from person to person. But once your immune system alarms have been tripped, then a whole variety of, of symptoms could uh, can manifest from that. That's so interesting. And leaky gut, I mean, that can be responsible for all kinds of symptoms. What, you know, what are some of the things that we, that would indicate that we might have this going on? Yeah, um, that's a good question because a lot of people think, well, I don't have leaky gut because I don't have any gut symptoms. My right. gut works fine. Right. And that's that's a misconception. It's not you just GI. Not, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You don't have to have GI symptoms. I'd say probably 50% of the time, there is no GI symptoms. I evaluate gut barrier integrity all the time hmm. for chronic conditions and autoimmune conditions. And we see, uh, we see breakdown of gut barrier all the time and they don't have any GI issues. These inflammatory substances that, that, w- that would otherwise be blocked by that barrier system get into the circulation and kind of can go anywhere. And so it can lead to a whole host of, of issues, but it's a cascade because if there's breakdown of that gut barrier, then these food proteins and even other things that we can talk about, if you want, get through that system and they're inflammatory. And if you're developing inflammation systemically, meaning kind of all over in your bloodstream, then that can lead to um, a bunch of different uh, multi-systemic symptoms. Yeah. I mean, that could be anything from like skin issues, right? To anxiety. Skin, good one. Absolutely. Yes. Anxiety, depression. Um, Breakdown of the gut barrier is oftentimes foundational for a person who has these chronic kind of nebulous kind of symptoms like the Mm -hmm. ones that you mentioned, 
brain fog and just not feeling right, maybe even some hormonal changes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it could be coming from leaky gut. And so it's, it's underappreciated in our, let's say, pharmaceutical-based medical system. Um, and so it's oftentimes just it, it just goes undetected yeah. and it can get worse and worse. And if someone suspected that they had some leaky gut issues, you know, how would they go about seeking diagnosis and treatment for that? Because it does seem like not every doctor is keen on this concept. Yeah, they need to be tested and really take the guesswork out. Right. And the other advantage of being tested is that if you're going to treat it, which obviously you want to, if it's if the leaky gut is there, you want how are you going to know if it if it's fixed uh, mm. without testing at baseline? Right. You don't have anything to compare to later on because just following a gut repair, you know, uh, hypoallergenic dietary protocol, most people are going to feel better. But does feeling better actually equate to manifest or let's say resolution right. of your gut barrier breakdown? So having a before and after, I think, is really really key. So I didn't even know the there was testing out. for this. What it, what does testing look like? Yeah, so what the testing looks like is um, there's an evaluation of the immune system's reaction to multiple uh, proteins that make up the gut barrier itself. So oh. let me kind of make it real for you. So there's a intestinal permeability test um, by a lab called Cyrex Labs. People can check it out. They can go to join. J-O-I-N, Cyrex, C-Y-R-E-X.com. They can read about, it's called Array 2. But anyhow, there's proteins like occludin and zonulin and actomycin. These are proteins that kind of tie together all those cells in the gut lining making this barrier system. But if these have become broken down and they've fallen apart and slipped into the circulation, these are big proteins that the body is not going to like floating around. So the immune system is going is to develop antibodies. So that's what this lab is measuring, IgG, IgA, IgM antibodies to all these gut barrier proteins. So it's a very direct uh, evaluation of the integrity of the gut barrier. That is so cool. I did not know there was a test for that. Yeah, a really common, um, so there's multiple reasons why a person might have breakdown of the gut barrier. Mm -hmm. Just a really, a couple really basic ones, certain very common medications like ibuprofen, if those are taken excessively or not even excessively, if they're just taken even just regularly or acutely, um, that can break down your gut barrier. Uh, Like excess stress, cortisol can break down your gut barrier. Um, And what I was going to come to is there's a bacterial toxin called LPS or lipopolysaccharides. It's produced by certain bacteria called gram-negative bacteria. And when this LPS builds up in the gut, it tears away at the gut barrier. Hmm. So actually the, the lab that I just mentioned, it also includes a test for LPS. So you'll know that kind of right away, like, okay, is LPS part of the problem or is there a gut breakdown uh, for you know some other reason? Um, but things like gluten and ibuprofen and alcohol and mm-hmm. LPS, those are probably some of the most common yeah. underlying reasons of why the, the gut barrier breaks down. Absolutely. I mean, I can attest to that. I had a period earlier this year where I was taking ibuprofen every day in just for a minor symptom. But um, about a week in, I mean, I was having so many issues. Um, 
and that went away when I stopped the ibuprofen. It's wild what that can do. Yeah, that's fascinating. Here's another really common one is, you know, a lot of people binge drink. And just so you know, technically, when a researcher, you know, what, what they call a binge drink in a, in a, in a medical paper is, is like three to four drinks, like four yeah. drinks as a binge. Yeah. And so they also report that that's probably the most common form of drinking alcohol is a binge. So it's a very common situation. So here's what we know is that a binge of alcohol consumption breaks down the integrity of the gut barrier. And so this is a very, very common problem. And what people might think of like, oh, I feel bad the next day after I, I drank. I mean, part of that is the alcohol itself, but I think we could apportion a certain part of that to this inflammatory reaction from breakdown of the gut barrier. So I'm going to ask you two questions. One is, I'm curious you know, what would you what you would recommend in terms of testing for people that have food sensitivities. But then I, I also want to hear from you on what general guidelines you'd give people just for eating well, so that they don't run into these issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think that that lab Cyrex labs is probably the best lab to evaluate for gut barrier integrity and food sensitivities. Mm-hmm. Uh, people could see on that the website joincyrex.com that there's, there's a very, very comprehensive gluten panel. It's the most comprehensive gluten evaluation that is available. There's nothing more comprehensive than that Array 3X. Um, Array 4 looks at dairy and some other foods. Um, and then Array 10 looks at 180 foods. So depending on what you know, is needed uh, from the patient's diet or symptoms, those are some different ways to look at it. But it's key to evaluate because... It takes a lot of guesswork out. Like you, you kind of figured it out on your own that gluten just isn't working for you. But sometimes people don't have that that sensitivity of their body and they can't tell mm-hmm. you know, what they're reactive to. So it's really nice to have a lab test and you can just kind of see it in black and white. Absolutely. Um, that's from a testing standpoint. And I think you asked, you know, like foods or food choices, what's a yeah, good place just, to... Yeah, just, you know, I mean, if... if if we want to avoid kind of running into these food sensitivities or, I mean, it's kind of sounding like perhaps we shouldn't be binge drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And maybe even if, if, particularly if somebody has, um, you know, some chronic issues, they mm-hmm. actually might want to evaluate the integrity of their gut barrier because um, although you could develop food sensitivities without having a broken gut barrier, without having leaky gut, it is one big piece of the puzzle. There's other pieces to that puzzle that can lead to food sensitivities, but it's a big one and it's testable and it can take the guesswork out. So that's oftentimes a good place to start. Um, Beyond that, uh, there are foods that are more, I guess we'd say hyperallergenic or just more commonly reactive. A couple that we've already talked about, like gluten and wheat, you know, uh, dairy would be toward the top of the list, soy, corn, eggs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then like tree nuts. That probably rind- rounds out like the top five or six. Um, not that everybody should avoid those. Cause I, I'm not a fan of that, that everybody just needs to avoid the top mm-hmm. ones. I think it should be individualized so mm-hmm. that, um, you know, a person could do what, what, what's appropriate for their own individual bodies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those things should be tested. That might be a good place to start. Um, 
And but what would be like, what would be the yeah. symptoms that someone would decide to get tested for? Because like you said, I think a lot of times people have that misperception that like a food allergy is going to show up um, with GI issues, you know, with with stomach. Yeah. What, what are some of the other symptoms that could actually be a food allergy that we maybe wouldn't think of as a food allergy or sensitivity, I, th- I should say? I think if somebody has really consistent fatigue mm-hmm. and they've ruled out the really uh, typical stuff or the more common stuff like anemia, you know, if you're anemic, right. you know, you're going to have fatigue. So you should, you got to get that fixed. Um, if you have poor sleep at night, um, you're going to be fatigued the next, the, the, right. during the day. That's just right. a, you know, that's just a one-to-one relationship. Um, so if those things aren't true, if you're sleeping fine and you don't have anemia, um, then food sensitivities might be a good next thing to look at because it could be dragging on your on your energetic system because it's just causing this low-grade inflammation and immune dysregulation that just leads to fatigue. And so those are, again, it's a little nebulous. There's not one perfect symptom that I'd go, oh, yes, you should check for food sensitivities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I would go everywhere from you know, definitely any kind of GI issues, constipation, diarrhea, gas, bloating, any of those for sure. Uh, but even some of the ones that we just mentioned, like brain fog, fatigue, and it's not because of some other things like poor sleep and mm-hmm. anemia. Those would be good reasons to to maybe look at food sensitivities. Got it. Yeah, that's that's really helpful. Well, thank you so much. I feel like you have dispelled so many myths for us and given us some really clear paths to take as well in terms of testing for people who are concerned about this stuff. Where can people find you online? I've got a website uh, that's actually kind of under construction, but for now it's, <laughs> it's called, uh, it's just my name spelled out, Dr. Chad Larson, D-O-C-T-O-R-C-H-A-D-L-A-R-S-O-N.com. Okay, well, we'll link that up in our show notes. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us over at Instagram at at Selfie Podcast. And make sure to join our uber supportive community that we love on Facebook by searching for Selfie Podcast Community. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. Special thanks to Shepherd Audio for providing our music. Take care. Take care.